Welcome in to Minions and Musings. Hey, welcome in to Minions and Musings. Evil Jeff back behind the mic. Glad that you're with me. Today is review day. I'm going to review Into the Wild from Third Kingdom Games. It was a Kickstarter I backed a short while ago. Got the PDF and uh, well, I thought about getting the print item, but decided against it. I don't know. It was during that whole uh, Zine Quest stuff, and I pretty much just went with PDFs of things. Um, while I don't mind getting print stuff, I'm very picky about it. You gotta be pretty passionate about it, and I am pretty passionate about this stuff uh, from Third Kingdom Games. I really like everything I've seen from him so far. So, I was on the fence, decided against it. I can still get it later on, print on demand. So, what is the Into the Wild product that was produced? Well, it's actually six different works that he's already done. Um, he has uh, basically collected six previous things, gone through and added some more material and put it into a nice book kind of to add along with his filling in the blanks product that he created. So you'd have two nice books to uh, do a hex, you know, to really fill out hex crawls really is what it turns out to be. So I want to give you my impressions of it, give you some thoughts and help you decide. Maybe you want to go pick up the PDF. Maybe you want to pick it up on demand maybe you want both who knows so let me dive into it a little bit and tell you what i encountered okay so if you get into the wild uh, it is a 215 page book uh, 216 with the OGL and there's also additional pages that are your um, table of contents uh, and intro so the PDF weighs in at 221 pages overall so this is a you know, good size uh, book now granted it is six items altogether so that does make some sense for us to have there uh, the book is broken up into three areas if you look at it and this is info that is in the uh, introduction um, the first part of it is the hex crawling and exploration the next section would be for ruling a domain and then the third one are some other rules and expansions so the six items that he put in there uh, were his hex crawl basics, random weather generation, domain building, wealth by NPC level, his classing up the joint product, and OSR alternative classes. So again, he's putting them all together, combining them, and expanding upon them. So I thought it was a, a good idea to grab a hold of it when I had the chance. Um, This is introducing some concepts that 
may be new to some players and GMs. Um, within here, we talk about land value. Uh, we, he talks about market class, uh, different resource steps, um, you know, how that affects other hexes, uh, affects what you have in the hex, uh, even urban centers and how they affect uh, the type of NPCs that are around, the type of adventurers, uh, how you buy and sell things. You know, that's related back to the market class itself. So, let's dive into the first chapter, which is hex crawling. So, this is really starting off giving you a his view on hex crawls. Uh, this is not something that is unknown to many people. It's been talked about many times, forums, blogs, podcasts, and everything, but maybe rather misunderstood. Okay, it's a, uh, it's his opinion, and I thought about it and looked at it. And it's like, yeah, okay, I, I can see where that comes into play. Because some people, you know, they're thinking, oh, I gotta go in a dungeon. I've gotta go into castles and tear up things. Really, you know, hex crawling is the outside dungeon for all intents and purposes. And as you go through this chapter, uh. Gives some nice stuff in here. You know, gives reasons why a six-mile hex is good for calculations. I never really considered that. You know, when you measure a hex, it is from face to face, six miles. But when you go from vertice to vertice, or the corners, it's seven miles across. And based upon the curvature of the earth and everything... A roughly human-sized creature, say six foot tall, can see on flat, clear ground three miles or halfway across the hex. You know, that's not too bad. So, some pretty good stuff there. I'd never really considered all that. But as you go through um, and read through this, uh, he adds... He adds in a, a couple assumptions about how play may go at your table. And that's one of the, the few parts I, I started to be a little hesitant with. Um, not every table does things like this. So you have to take that with a grain of salt. We, he does pull out uh, in the book about in the OSE, uh, I should have mentioned, Into the Wild is OSE compatible. Uh, that rules for wilderness travel, where they can be located. Um, and I think this, unfortunately, is a typo. I'm going to have to double check. I always listed as the OSE core rulebook. Um, and any of us that have OSE, I believe we look at it, it would be the uh, fantasy rules tome. While that's what he calls the core rulebook, uh, having all of the PDFs of OSE and the different things. The core rulebook is uh, not, uh, has some wilderness travel stuff, but is not listed that way. And the references that he brings up in there are actually in the core, uh, not the core, the uh, fantasy rules tone. So once I got past that, eh, I'm okay with that. 
as you go through the first chapter, uh, there's discussion on how you venture out to the wild, uh, running retainers along there, dealing with a lot of rules that a new GM might have to make up on the fly because, well, to me, it's how crunchy do you want your game. You, We can hand wave a lot of stuff, but if you want a little bit more substance to things, then we can add in the rules for uh, dealing with lack of food and water. What would that effect have on your characters? Uh, dealing with foraging and hunting, the effects of weather, uh, moving through hexes, getting lost. Now, that's not new, but some additional information in there uh, as you explore hexes. You know, how we deal with layers in a hex. And especially when we've got monsters that may have a layer in the hex, how often are they in the hex? And if they're not in their layer, what's the chance of encountering them outside of their layer? Probably some of us have never really taken that into account. So, you know, some nice uh, information to add in there. And we've got some great encounter tables in there um, in the Third Kingdom games. And I'm quickly trying to find uh, the one spot I had there. Uh, he has different terrains listed. Uh, swamp jungle, hills and mountains, uh, clear grassland settled, forest, ocean, lake or river, and then arctic barren desert. And has a D20 table there. Um, and, you know, roll the D20 on that and look at the terrain and you get the different uh, encounter tables that you would want to use. Uh, humanoid encounter table, flyer, insect, plant, giant, animal, ooze, dragon, unusual, human, undead, and even has a random monster table in there. We also have some nice little additional information to help you create uh, a regional layer table. You know, if you, and I believe in the book here, it goes into the uh, place he calls the Fetid Swamp. So we've got a blank page that can give you uh, a 1d6 roll there for each of the different types of creatures that you have possible to encounter out in the wilds. So, giving you a lot of uh, rules there to add in your additional stuff. You know, make this your own. Not a bad tool overall. The second chapter is on random weather generation. And we've got a lot of tables in here and uh, information on how to generate random weather. You know, I remember years ago in a game, uh, D&D game, and we're starting off, and the GM had it where it rained the first seven days out of from this town. Because, as he said, it never rains in D&D. And I thought about it and went, you know what? We Usually we hand wave a lot of weather and everything. Do you want that level of 
granularity, that level of realism in your game. Well, here we've got a number of nice rules for dealing with uh, the weather, also different types of weather. And he does go into the effects weather would have on a game. Like, you know, if it is raining, bows and crossbows, if those strings get wet, they probably will snap. So you've got to protect them. You know, what happens to armor? Over time, it probably will rust. You know, it'll take a while, but if it's not treated. So, I mean, again, how granular do you want to get in there? Uh, rules for dealing with wind and snow and hail. And then he's got a large set of results for unusual weather. It's a 1D100. Uh, it's not 100 possible things, but there's some interesting stuff. You know, is it unseasonably hot or unseasonably cold? You know, and how much more? You know, is it only 10 degrees or is it up to 20 degrees? Uh, lots of wind, uh, shift in regional weather patterns, Maybe there is a tornado. There's uh, things for stellar occurrences. A star disappears or appears, or there's a comet or an eclipse, or maybe there's earthquakes. You know, so it's a lot of uh, just some additional random stuff to spice up your game. Um, and the nice thing is that he does go into a an example of creating this weather over a several day period. And I would suggest that is how one would go about that. If we have an idea of how many days one, a group or a party would be traveling in an area, how far it would go, go ahead and roll out that. In fact, before starting off an adventure, Maybe going ahead and rolling out a week or two of this, taking into account where the party might go, that should affect things a little bit. But this way you can uh, put it all together and you know, add a little bit more realism. Give the party a little bit more uh, substance, a little bit more uh, travails to overcome. All right, uh, chapter three is the domain management portion of the content. Uh, it starts off going into how to hire retainers or henchmen. Um, you know, how are they available? What offers you would have to make? Uh, has rules then after that for hiring mercs or hirelings, ones that would not become henchmen that will follow you, and then where he puts in hirelings later on, what he really means, I, I felt, was specialists, armorers, sages, you know, those other guys that do not go any adventuring whatsoever. Uh, Third Kingdom Games also has rules for clearing the hex. Uh, when you want to construct a stronghold, what are the costs going to be in there? After clearing out a hex and having your domain, you're going to have settlers come in. So how does the hex get populated? How quickly does it take? You know, you're going to have to improve things. So if you're going to make roads, uh, 
you know, how do you get tax, you know, how do you tax the people? How do you get revenue out of your domain? You know, money don't grow on trees or maybe it does in your campaign. I don't know. Uh, there's even a concept of domain morale. Thought that was rather interesting, something I hadn't come across before. He also has a set of random events for the domain. Uh, roll a 1d6, and there's a possibility of there being a boon for the domain. And there's also a possibility of having friction in a domain. And this friction can be something either internal or external. And he's got a fair number of different events that could affect how your domain works. Maybe it's going to be directly against you. Maybe it could be good for you. Who knows? Uh, we also have uh, a set of mass combat rules that in many ways is lacking from BX or OSE. And even adding in how heroes affect mass combat, dealing with siege weapons in there, and com mass combat magic. Uh, going through all the different levels of spells, both magic user and cleric, and how that would affect things out in the wilds. You know, not in the dungeon, but out in the wilds. So, you know, pretty cool section of information. You know, some additional stuff that we have there. Also, right at the end of that section, there are some tokens uh, in a hex size that you could use to... Uh, spice up your play. Uh, those are, I believe he had those in the print version. Those, uh, if you paid for the print version, the PUD was going to print those out as a separate piece. It's in the PDF. Uh, I mean, I figure I could get some cardstock, uh, print them out, and then cut them out myself. Chapter 4 goes into the mercantilism and wealth. So in this chapter, we're getting uh, things about trading, uh, buying and selling goods. Uh, if you're talking just trade goods, animals, if you're going to sell things, you know how many days does it take to um, either find an item you want to buy or sell an item, uh, dealing with uh, other costs of moving these items, you know, whether you're using carts and wagons, um, also has uh, rules for selling and buying small goods and expensive goods and rules for magic items. You know, if you're going to have an environment where magic items are available, well, what's the likelihood of that occurring based upon the level of wealth in that market center? Yeah, you know, this may not be a concept that you want to have, but you know it's it's nice to have something you know to base something off of. A lot of, I, I see online in the forums and so forth, even on Discord, people asking, "Oh, how would I get this? How do that?" And different things being bandied about of what rules one would take, or this is how I do it, and so forth. You know, so many people asking for house rules, things that are not already there. Well, hey, here's a set of house rules or anything you want to adapt to it, that is uh, useful for you. He also has uh, information about, or his idea for cost of living and wealth for PCs. Hey, would you like to drain 
those characters of their hard-earned gold? Well, here's how we go about doing it. But the nice thing is that it kind of, it's not a daily thing that you have to do. You just make them pay it at the beginning of the month out of their wealth. Yeah, that's not such a, a, a horrible thing to think about there. Um, if you want to hire spellcasters to create things for you, um, even has a section on NPCs. If you create an NPC group, what's the likelihood of the NPCs actually having certain gear, even magic items? I mean, there is uh, information, if I remember correctly, in BX talking about that. There's like a 5% chance per level that the NPCs will have magic items. So, yeah, there's a possibility of that. Well, when you create an NPC party, do they have any? So, we got a nice little guide to help you out with that. What the percentage chance could be. Again, this is... Uh, what Third Kingdom Games puts forth. The last two sections, chapter 5 and 6, are dealing with classes, so we'll just go ahead and cover both of them here. Uh, chapter 5 gives you some guidelines for how to create new classes that will fit into your OSR-type games, whether you're playing OSE, BX, or something else. Um, this is his take on building classes. If you've purchased um, Aaron Small's BX Class Builder, I uh, have seen that before. This is a different take on it. I did a little bit of uh, calculations looking at how they did it, and this, you know, this works out pretty well. Slightly different way of doing it, but um, one of the things I did note is that you got a lot more options. You know, we can get those little qualities in there that we want. Maybe you want to, you know, what do we cost to turn on dead as a cleric, you know, and add in uh, maybe tracking in there. And let's add in the fact that we can jump. Uh, maybe also have pathfinding or shape change. You know, you want to add in a whole bunch of stuff into a character. Well, how much would that add in the process of building a class to keep it balanced with other classes. That's the thing with the class, you know, this class building uh, mechanism that you're not going to build this class. Well, I mean, you might build it OP, but it's going to cost a lot more XP to raise it up levels. Um, so, you know, it does a, a pretty good job of you know, keeping it fairly balanced. Chapter 6 deals with new and revised classes. The main part out of this is that we add in some alternative features. He's gone in to your standard classes, cleric, fighter, thief, mage, and added in some additional little class abilities. Not a lot, just a little bit here and there. Let's uh, look at fighter, okay? Here's the additional benefits that he gives a fighter. Fighters can cleave once around. Okay, up to a maximum number of times equal to their hit dice. Okay, once per day, fighters can automatically negate a single physical attack that would otherwise successfully hit them. 
when fighting with a two-handed melee weapon. They roll damage with advantage. And they also get a fighting style. So, you know, this has given us a little bit more flavor than what we get with a normal BX fighter. But it's the same amount of XP in there. Okay. So if you want to ramp up your BX game, OSE game, well, hey, we could add this in there. But we also add in two other features to these classes that are referenced here. One is skills. Now, skills come from one of his other uh, products. Uh, Third Kingdom Games does have a set of hexes that are already done. And in one of the hexes, he has a skill system. And it's actually in a free supplement that he has. It's hex 17.23, the Lake of Abominations. And it's a pretty simple skill system. You only add in a couple skills uh, over a period of time. And how to, uh, if you are proficient with them or an expert, you know, working with that. But the other piece that he adds in here that really gives the character classes a little bit more oomph and can also give you some differentiation from other types, you know, they're not all samey-samey, is his term, he uses knacks, uh, probably similar to feats in other areas, in other uh, games and so forth. Um, and the knacks only occur at certain levels. So we're not constantly getting these, you know, sounds like 5e all of a sudden, you know. Um, but they give you just additional things like, uh, let's see, uh, alertness, plus one bonus to initiative, only surprise on a roll of one on a d6. Okay. Um, hey, how about a divine champion for the fighter? Or the fighter is resilient. Or even better, Porter as an act. So his encumbrance limit is increased. If you're playing with encumbrance, hey, that might not be such a bad thing. You don't get weighed down. Uh, it also has weapon specialization in there. So, you know, there's, a, you know, you want to make something a little bit more flavorful. You know, make your BX game kind of like 5e in a way. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's one way of going about it. He also has some other classes that are new here, and I, and I do like them. The uh, Servies, Braves, sort of a deer folk. Uh, to my feeling, it's sort of a uh, Native American style class. Uh, maybe even thinking Mongols, you know, how they travel about that sort of, you know, being nomadic. Uh, they've got a dervish, which is, for the most part, sort of a, a cleric, a fighter cleric, hybrid, uh, desert warrior, uh, an class called iron skins where the you know their skin is iron gives them natural armor uh and they can rust rust monsters are not their friend uh even a fighter mage class known as the hex blade uh, which is kind of like a witch in a way uh the in fact this class cannot be lawful as he listed, it is either chaotic or neutral. 
Uh, he also has his own take on wizard, uh, not wizards, um, sorcerers, witches, and warlocks. So if you want to have uh, something that way, hey, there's uh, some interesting stuff. Um, I believe we also have what he refers to as the, uh, and it's slipping my mind right there, the Godborn. That's what it was. And depending upon the alignment, it is what type of, um, or well, I guess I should say alignment, um, what type of children you are. The children of chaos are typically, you know, these Godborn are normally known as tieflings. The ones of law would be called Asimars, and the ones that are born of Fae are Eldarin. Hmm, that sounds kind of familiar. And we got some additional features in there. So we're kind of maintaining the class, racist class, going on here. Before I wrap this up, wanted to add in just some additional information. Uh, because this was a Kickstarter, there were some additional stretch goals that were met. Uh, there were eight, I believe, uh, blank fortifications, uh, towns, um, more or less, if you were wanting to give your players or uh, some NPCs some sort of base to work from, or, you know, let's say they're going to build this later on, you had that ability. It was already kind of laid out, all of it's blank. Uh, I had forgotten that was in there uh, when I started looking through the book, and I was like, what? where are these things for? What are they for? Unfortunately, and uh, it was confirmed that the... Uh, in the editing process, that information was left out. Uh, several worksheets in there were also added to help you organize your thoughts. So, yeah, there's some uh, just a few additional stretch goals that were added in there, but you may not realize it when you're looking at the overall book. Uh, one other note that I'm going to make here, and then uh, you'll hear my wrap-up. When I really looked at this whole book overall, I felt it was almost like a bunch of house rules, which is not a bad thing. It, it feels like a, a large amount of house rules that we've built over years and then we've expanded upon. So just an additional thought there. I'm adding this in after I had already recorded my outro, my thoughts and everything. So I'm just inserting that in here real quick. All right, so you've heard me go on for quite a while now and must be asking yourself, well, what do you think of the whole product, Jeff? Or maybe you're not asking yourself that. Well, let's go ahead and break it down. This is a very crunchy book. There's a lot of stuff in here and new GMs, seasoned GMs. This is probably a book that if you want some inspiration, you want some stuff to work with, uh, get in there and grab the level of crunch that you want. Uh, there are some places that the content really felt like 
really more or less a game for the GM, especially the mercantilism and wealth portion. You know, like its own little sub-game to complement the GM. Okay, that's cool. Um, I also felt that this would have been a good time to take these products that had already been done before and to really let them fall underneath a an editor's strong hand. Um, there are times I've gone through the book and it, it's just really a lot more words than necessary. And it would have been great to tidy it up a bit. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the uh, situation was, but I really did think that you could have done with a little bit more tightness, uh, a little more seriousness, seriousness on the editing. I will say that I was a bit annoyed here and there uh, with the layout. And this is where editing would have come into play as well. There are times that you've got like a single sentence or two on the next page underneath a gigantic chart or picture. It's like, couldn't you have tidied, tightened that up a little bit somewhere along the line? Made some natural breaks? Um, it... It's not everywhere in there. It's just some places I look at it's like going, that could have been done better, in my opinion. You know, I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't feel that way about certain elements. Um, but it just, to me, I, I, it, it got to me. It got to me. And I wanted to bring that out to you. Um, I, I think we could have had a little bit better editing overall uh, layout changed up a little bit. And I think that was the other problem. You know, with six different books that were putting together, uh, trying to get this layout nice and neat, uh, working together, um, you know, we were able, we did, you know, what was done was done. And there were some choices that had to be made there. Um, does it detract from the overall book? No, it does not. I will say, though, it is still very, you know, crunchy. You know, pull out what you want in it. Um, was it worth the cost that I put into it? Yeah, I, I think so. The new classes, the beginning part of uh, exploring the hex crawling and such, uh, expanding on weather... I mean, those are some good things, you know, and I can pull from and add some stuff. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, if you want some additional rules and everything, you know, you could go out and buy his old stuff if you want just the individual pieces. But this does kind of bring it all together and is probably worth the money to tie it all in together. Again, I, I like... Todd, I like his stuff. Um, so, yeah. I, I, I do recommend it. Again, there are some pieces in there that annoy me, but that's just Evil Jeff being a picky SOB at times. Eh. I am what I am. Well, that's all for today's Review Corner. I think I'm going to go 
find something else to go mess with and uh, maybe go terrorize the minions for a little bit. Anyway, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for listening. And face-to-face -face gaming, hopefully it's back for you. It is for me. Have a good one. Uh-uh. <laughs>